You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Get your Bibles out. Let's go into the Word of God here tonight. Yeah. Huh. Oh. You want to panic a preacher? Just don't do this. But sneak up on him while he's not looking and pull his sermon notes out of his Bible. And when he steps up in the pulpit and you see him doing this, just turn to... Um, because that's what I was just doing. I'm like, oh my goodness, did I leave that on the coffee table? Um, yeah, yeah, don't do that to Brother Jet. Uh, Joshua chapter 4, let's go there tonight if you would. Playing. Are you playing a game on your phone? You opened your Bible on your phone, right? I believe that. And it started reading to you. Okay, you're right. Okay. What I'm doing here is running something through my brain and it just it moves a little slowly. It's not going to come back to me. <laughs> ah, okay. So, um, all my illustrations are old illustrations, all right? So, you guys just have to smile uh, at, at them anyway. But it's not a funny illustration. It's just the way I wanted to open the, before we read here tonight. I am... Um, Years ago at the old church on um, 622 South Sycamore. Yeah, that was the last one we were in. On. Yep. Um, so I had gone over and a bunch of guys had got there and we were going to help mow the lawn. And I brought my lawnmower over there and uh, I, I had mowed a portion, ran out of gas, grabbed the next gas can that was sitting there, dumped it in my gas tank, took off mowing for about five minutes. And then all of a sudden... My lawnmower stopped. It locked up. I, I'm like, why did it stop? And I went to pull the rope. It would not pull. The engine was entirely locked up. And I just inadvertently reached out and grabbed a can of gasoline, which you would want to do if you run out of gas. But my mower was a mower that required oil in the gasoline uh, that lubricates, that helps things to move and not lock up. So I had, man, I couldn't believe it. I blew my lawnmower. I, I couldn't believe it. So um, I started looking for cheap lawnmowers and seeing if somebody knew how to, how to fix that. <clears throat> Matt, where were you when I <clears throat> could have used a small engine guy? So I was talking to one other person. Uh, they were in my garage, and this has been about, a, it was like a month down the road, and and I told them what I had happened. I said, you don't know anybody's got a cheap lawnmower for sale. Why? I told him the story. He goes, so you locked it up? And I'm like, yeah. <clears throat> he says, have you tried it? 
now. I'm like, well, I tried it three or four times after that. I said, it was locked up tight. He says, how long's it been? I said, weeks. He said, pull it out. Let's try it. Boom, that thing started right up. It had overheated and everything was swollen. The metals were swollen and had to, um, you know, cool back down. And by then it started right up again. Praise the Lord. And I had, <clears throat> what was so bizarre to me is I had the ability to mow without lawnmower and just didn't have any kind of hope uh, or credibility for that lawnmower. It was as good on that day as it was five minutes before I put pure gasoline in the engine. It was ready to go. I just simply did not know that. I didn't give credit to it whatsoever. I, I was thinking about the, the passage of scripture here tonight and how that so applies to the thought that the Lord really impressed on my heart this evening. So if you're in Joshua chapter four, does Brother Jet have you stand? Please stand if you would while we read the word of God. You got a break this morning from that, didn't you? All right, so Joshua chapter four, I'm gonna read the next four chapters and just uh, hold on to the back of the pew if you would. No, not, not, that, not that much. Verse one, Joshua chapter four. <clears throat> hopefully you are familiar with these places in the Bible and hopefully this passage will not be brand new to you and you'll be like, oh yeah, I know what this is about. I'm sure this morning's passage was one familiar to most everybody. Even people that are not Christians know about the burning fiery furnace, but hopefully this one will be as uh, nearly as um, memorable for you. So in verse one, and it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua saying, take you 12 men out of the people, out of every tribe, a man and command ye them saying, take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, 12 stones and ye shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe, a man. And Joshua said unto them, pass over before the ark of the Lord, your God into the midst of Jordan and take you, uh, take you up every man of you, a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying, what mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua stood up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests, which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. For the priests which bear the Ark stood in the midst of Jordan, until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people, according to all that Moses commanded Joshua and the people hasted and passed over. 
And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over that the ark of the Lord passed over and the priests in the presence of the people and the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses spake unto them. About 40,000 prepared for war passed over before the Lord unto battle to the, the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up under the dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned under their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. You understand this was the time of the flooding of the Jordan River. It was as broad and deep as it would ever be at any time in its history year to year. Uh, verse 19, and the people came up out of Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel saying, when your children shall ask their fathers in time to come saying, what mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us, until we were gone over. And of course now verse 24, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God for Ever. So let's pray there. Thank you, Lord. It's good to be back in the house of God tonight. And it's a blessing, Lord, to be able to have some lighthearted moments, but then very seriously to look into the Word of God and to study what you have for us tonight. I ask for your blessing as I asked this morning. Help me to say everything that I should, but keep me from saying those things that I should not. And may the Spirit of God work in our hearts tonight and feed us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Lots of years ago, I remember preaching from this passage of scripture, and I, I'm pretty sure the title that I gave to it was Stones of Remembrance. Um, and it seems that I emphasize the fact that God wanted us to, in our Christian life, to set up ways in our Christian life uh, to remember the great things that God has done for us in our lives. Um, let me just mention tonight's title to my message is the hand of the Lord is mighty. And I'm just making reference back to a previous message. <clears throat> I remember going through some of those great things that God had done for our church. And you could speak for yourselves, the great things God's done for you in your life. 
All of us have those moments. And, but to be able to address some things that would affect the most of us, and many of you probably are not aware of some of the things that God um, had done for us over the years. And I remember relating some of the great things that we just dare not forget, how great God was for us. And I could look backwards and remember some, some really great things. I, I, I remember one of them that I mentioned was the really great debt that we were in when I first took the pastorate. We were some of you that know better can remind me of some of these things, but it was a lot of money, four to $500,000 in debt. It seems as if that would be fairly accurate. <clears throat> we were a very small congregation at that time. We were sitting in a building over where Shopco used to be and, uh, and then got bought out there. But um, so we were in great debt tremendously. And uh, without going into a lengthy story, I would just tell you that a realtor came and uh, presented to me. He says, hey, we'd like to, for you to consider buying your, your property. And, and we'd like to put in a strip mall here, which is now the Shopco, used to be Shopco strip mall through there. And uh, I'm like, well, we're not really looking to sell. And, and um, so he says, uh, well, well, what would you have to have for us to buy this from you? And, and I didn't have a didn't have a figure for him. I, I had gone talk to the guys by this time and came back and he knocked on my door again. And so, you know, we're really not looking to sell, but, um, he's like, well, give me a figure that you would, would want to consider. And, um, I didn't have a figure in mind, but I just threw out, I said, okay. Cause he was so persistent. I said, $500,000. And I remember how he literally bent over, slapped his knee laughed at me and said, uh, well, we'll just go on down to plan B then if, if you want $500,000. And I'm sitting here thinking, I didn't come knocking on your door. Go to plan B. We didn't even want this to be plan A. And, uh, um, and he went on down and a couple months later, he comes back knocking on my door with a very sheepish look on his face. And he said, okay, plan B fell through. And how much sincerely would it take for you to, um, to purchase this building from you? And I said, if you can pay off our debt, and the guys had been talking, if you can pay off the debt of our church and put us in the building that was for sale down the street from us at the time, which was the old Linwood Wesleyan building, the last building we were in before we moved here, debt-free, I said, then, then you've got a deal. And that guy looked at us and said, you got a deal. Amen. And went to bat for us and worked. And again, those of you that walked through that long process, that was unbelievable what God did for us and put us in a completely finished off building. And, and all of you remember that were there. We still ended up having to pay off 70,000, but that was so much less than the hundreds of thousands we had been in debt with. And that was a, what a tremendous memory of a great God. I remember the time that a, a lawyer showed up at my office, knocked on the door and he said, uh, <clears throat> he says, you know, every year I try to go around to some smaller churches and he says, I try to give uh, a, a gift to them. And he says, I drive by your church. I see your building. And, uh, and he said, I'd like to, at the end of the year, uh, before tax season, I want to provide you with a, an amount of money. I said, can we take a vote on that to our deacons? <laughs> no, said, okay. So anyway, he, came, he comes back and he hands me a $5,000 
check just out of the blue. And so we had $5,000. Were you still in debt? We had some debt. And then Doug Henricks comes up with this idea to give it away to the missionaries. Where are you at, Doug? Where is Doug Henricks? He's walking around out there. It's just, yep. So we ended up adding, I think it was like $200 to every missionary that came to visit our church over the years and uh, was able to be a blessing to the missionaries. Uh, and then the purchase of the land that this church is on now and the selling of 22 acres, which paid off the entire land debt, put a big chunk of money into uh, the building fund. And then Brother Roy yesterday mentioned um, how God provided. It wasn't just a million dollar offering for us, Roy, $1,058,000. And I would go down to the penny if I could remember it. Uh, just drops out of heaven, I, you know, of course, through a human hand, but God does those things. Who, who does those things? God. I mean, and I'm looking back at some of these markers in the history of Eastside Baptist Church. And um, I, I've told probably a dozen times that my wife was in the hospital, almost died. And the doctor said to call me back up to the hospital and said, we can't keep her blood pressure up and all this. And I remember how God spared her life and, um, and, and did so many things that I asked him that night. And um, I think I ended that message by encouraging all of us to look back and remember all the great things God had done for us. And I can't help but thinking of that song, um, Kath, we talk about it almost every time I bring something up like this, roll back the curtains of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Who else ever heard that song outside of me mentioning it? So it's an old timey song, but it's really, it, it's, <clears throat> it was something that I, I really was so impressed that everybody needs to be able to have times in your life that you can look backwards and have stones of remembrance like what they were told to do in this chapter. Set up those stones of remembrance so you'll know. And when people ask in the future, what in the world does that represent? And how we went across on dry land and God held the waters back. And, and those are wonderful times to sit and to talk about. And to, to be able to see where God has brought us from to where this church is today. Is really and truly Many of you may not realize all the miracles that God did for this church and, and still has many more out in front of us. Uh, by no means has, I, do I believe that this church has seen their best days yet. By no means. And I just, it's just so encouraging as we um, look back at what God has done. But looking back on this story, God has definitely dealt with me further about what he is saying from this story also. I really believe that was the message I should have preached on that day. I may have preached it a couple of times over the years. But God spoke to me very specifically about uh, another passage uh, in this passage that I want to share with us here tonight. First of all, God dealt with me about the effects of the stones of remembrance. Uh, look at verse 24. Please get this. If you are highlighters, underliners... This verse is deserving of that. Um, why was all this done? If you ask that question, what was the really big deal about it all? I think he answers that in verse 24. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it 
is mighty. That ye might fear the Lord your God forever. I, if I had a highlighter, there's one word that stands out to me above all the others in that verse. And it's the word is. Go back down into the middle. Um, let's, let's read it again. All the people of the earth might know that the hand, the, know the hand of the Lord that it is mighty. Is mighty. I believe it's the greatest word in that sentence, at least for me and for the way God spoke to my heart. I'll, I'll, I'll break this down as we walk through this here tonight. In other words, fear him forever. Not just, get this, not just admire the past and long for the good old days the way they used to be. I mean, that's, that's not where God wants us to be left off in the, the story of our life. No doubt there's great encouragement, as I said before, to be taken from remembering the great victories of the past. But guys, don't miss this. There's also a great danger that can hitchhike along with that old time encouragement Um, there's some things that can happen to the Christian's life when we stop and reflect, if we're not careful. There's some things that as we look backwards can begin to happen to you that can become a very heavy weight in the Christian's life and even bring you to a complete standstill. Um, every time me and my wife will travel, uh, and fly like we did this time, we got this little bitty unit that you hook over your luggage and you grab the unit and pick it up and it numbers will pop up and it tells you how heavy your luggage is. And my wife is always, she knows the magic number is anything under 50 is the magic number because after that you pay uh, for an extra bag, I think is what it is. So, and there's been a few times where she's packed it just a few pair of shoes too many. And, and so she's had to pull a few pair of shoes uh, two of the curling irons out or whatever it might have been. And, you know, it was things that were not necessary and you could have packed and got everything done the way it should have been done without those things. And I'm just saying, looking backwards, if you're not careful, you can download some things into your mindset, into our mindset, that will be things that will be very detrimental to my going forward in, in my Christian life. Um, a dangerous attitude can begin to develop if we stop with just admiring what God did for me in the past. We can begin to, listen, to make God a great God of the past, but that's where he ends. He fails to be the same great God today that he was back then. I I know God can do those things. I mean, I look back and I can see what God did then, but silently in your heart, if that attitude has sunk into you, you subconsciously begin to say things like, yeah, those days were good, weren't they? But it's just not gonna happen for me now in the circumstances that I'm in and with the things that are going on in my life and with those big things out in front of me. I mean, that was nice back then, but you know, if, if you're not careful, uh, you're going to get stuck in the past. And that's where a lot of Christians are today. 
I've got an idea in most every congregation, and I'm sure here even tonight, there are those tonight that are stuck in the past. Well, maybe you're not stuck in the past, but that's where you left God. Sitting back on some great memory back here and how strong he was back then, flexing his muscles, and then today it's like he's some puny God that has no interest in what we have to go through and the things I'm experiencing right now. All of us have issues in life. Like I mentioned this morning, we all go through fires. But everybody in this room tonight has issues that you're going through. I don't know a soul in the world that is issue free. Uh, we, we all have those things that are going on. And for some of us, nothing has taken care of those issues for us. We've read all the books. We've talked to lots of people. We've, we've dieted. We've done all these things. And some things, things just aren't working for me. And while we look at some of these great things of the past and we appreciate them, we relegate God to being great yesterday, but not so much for today. At least not in my circumstance. He works in other people's lives. But in my great circumstance and in the huge thing that I really need God to work in my life for, he just just doesn't quite seem to be there. He's back there doesn't seem to be with me right now. I'm just telling you, that is such a dangerous attitude to let develop in your heart. And when we look backwards on a principle or we see the greatness of God in the past, but we fail to apply that greatness to us today, we begin, this is where the the problem really is, we begin to lose the great power of God in our life. We lose vision for what we think God can do through us. We become very earthly minded the things of serving God grow strangely dim. And for some reason, we just don't feel like God's hand and his strength and his power is upon me whatsoever. We feel like we've lost the power of God in our lives. Stones of remembrance are great as long as we don't leave God sitting there and fail to see him just as active in our lives today as he was back then. So, second thought, maybe we all need to just kind of step backwards a little bit tonight and do a little inventory inwardly and see if our view of God has grown rusty. Does anybody in here here know what a transistor radio is? See those old gray-headed hands. Come on, poke them up area. A transistor radio. Radio. Anybody ever take those batteries out of there and stick it to your tongue? My older brother says, Philip, stick those two little round things on the end of that. Put them on your tongue. See what happens. Yeah, burn your tongue right off. So I, um, one day my transistor radio was not working. I took it out. I pulled the battery out. Battery was great. But I looked at the two contacts on the inside where they connected and they had grown corroded. You know, that green look, that stuff that gets in there. And, and my brother, I don't know why I trusted him so many times, but he would say, you know, take a pen or something and go around in there and scrape those contacts off and, and plug that back in. And I did. And <clears throat> a perfectly good battery, once contact was made with the item it was trying to send energy into, gave all the energy and tremendous noise coming out of that little thing uh, like it was intended to do. 
What I'm saying is it wasn't the battery's problem. It was the contacts. I think we've all had devices like that. Things that got corroded. And there was power that could not go into that device. Do you see the uh, semblance here? Do you understand that the problem is not with God tonight? The problem is not that God has lost power and that, man, I just wish power could flow through me like he once used to do before. The problem comes when, guys, we lose contact with God. The problem comes where we don't get in contact with God like we should be. We're not rubbing up against the Lord and we get rusty and we get corroded and <clears throat> my walk with God becomes what it what I, I, what I used to be before, it's, I've lost that. And there's all these things in life, issues and things that have come between me and my tight relationship I used to have with God before. I'm just saying tonight, God doesn't need to be polished up. I just need to get the rust knocked off of me. When I, when I feel like, where's God in my life? And why don't I have the things that I so need in my life? God knows I have need of those things there just must be something about me that God doesn't want to bless. There just must be things about me, unlike everybody else in the church. And, and God can bless them, but there's something wrong with me. I'm not one of his favorites. You fill in the blanks. You know exactly what I'm talking about. At one time or another, we have all been there. But I'm saying tonight, guys, it's not God's fault. It's us. We lose contact with the Lord and just maybe look into your heart tonight and see with a little inventory, have you grown a little rusty in your walk with God? I mean, if we believe this book that you have in your lap tonight or your phone, if we believe this book here tonight, then we believe that God is the same yesterday and today. And will be forever. We love to say amen to that. And I think we should. And, and I think we should say a, a heartier amen. Yes, God is the same. God never changes. But why do we somehow relegate to him being somebody that's lost his strength and power on my behalf? It has nothing to do with God's strength and power. Everything to do with my lack of fellowship. My lack of real genuine heartfelt time with God where God can rub up against me and scrape off those things in my life, those attitudes and those worldly things about me that needs to be cleaned up so the power of God can flow back into my life and great and mighty things can begin to take place in our hearts again. God has not grown one bit disinterested in our circumstances. I just believe our contacts have grown rusty. So a question tonight, to be an obvious one, and I'm just genuinely asking like I would look a friend in the eye. How much time have you spent with God this past week? Really? I mean, real sincere. I got nothing else going to get in between me and God time. I, time where nothing is more important to me than me spending time with God. Give up my breakfast or my coffee or whatever I've got to do, but I am going to spend time with God. Can I just ask you as a friend, how's that going? How's the time in the word of God where the water of the word pours over your soul and washes away issues and strengthens the weak parts of your life? 
And how's it going when the conviction of God could come and show me where I'm not right with him? And in love, begin to press on that part of my heart and knock some things off that need to be cleared out of my life. How long has it been? This week, how was your prayer time this week? Today, how was your prayer time today? Is there something going on in your heart now that would have prevented God from being able to flow into your heart and bless you and help you in those areas where you need it the most? You know, when Israel walked up to those flooded waters of the Jordan River, I'm sure there were a lot of them there thinking, ain't no way. That river's flooded. I mean, beyond it goes way, hundreds of yards beyond its, uh, its normal banks. And they're thinking, hey, there's no way that's going to happen. And I'm sure it was something that was quite fearful to them. That's impossible. And many of us are facing an impossible circumstance in our life. Or you're facing issues over and over and over every day in your life. But then at times a mighty God would show up. And he would do what man could never do. And have you ever had those times when you stood there at the Jordan River and you believed in God and you were holding his hand, but you were looking at the water saying, no way, how's this ever going to happen for me? And God shows up. I'm just saying, get a hold of the hand of God. Just know that you're having a walk with him. You're not going to live a perfect life. Everybody stumbles and falters and fails. Get right back up and let's keep going and grab the hand of God and keep going. Here's what God wanted. God wanted them to get to the other side of the Jordan River and to be able to say, you know what? The only way we got across that river right there was God. There just was no other way we could have done that. I mean, if they'd have got there and felt like they could have built a bridge uh, or something could have happened where they could somehow in their own power, in their own means, get across, they'd get across and say, whoo, we, we made it across that, didn't we? And God didn't want that. God wanted them to get across on the other side and put a stack of stones over there where they could remind everybody that the only way those children of Israel could have gotten across that river is if God did some great and mighty thing in their life. And he did. So get this. It had to be impossible. It had to be an impossible circumstance in order for them to have to trust in God. That was his whole purpose the whole time, the way that was done. He wanted it to look to them like an impossibility. Don't we all have those in our life tonight? It may have dollar bills in front of it or the lack of them. It may have some really heavy physical circumstances, relationship, work situations. And in your heart, you're saying, this one's impossible. And it's okay to get there as long as you're doing this. As long as you've got a grip on the hand of God, as long as the contacts are clean, as long as the mighty power of God is available for you, it's okay. God wants us to impossible places so he can say only me can do that. Now, I believe the last verse of this chapter is the takeaway tonight. Let's take a look at it again. Verse 24, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Back in Daniel chapter 2, you'll need to turn there. 
If you remember, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and none of his wise men could tell what the dream was, much less interpret it. So Nebuchadnezzar commands all the wise men to be slain. Well, if you guys can't figure out what my dream is, this will kill you all. Yeah. But Daniel, if you remember, he convinced Nebuchadnezzar to allow him time and he would reveal the dream and then he would also interpret it. So he got in contact with God. Don't, don't miss this. He got in contact with God and God showed him not only the dream, but its interpretation as well. So Daniel approaches Nebuchadnezzar who asks Daniel, art thou able to make known unto me the dream? Did you get the question? Are you able to tell me what my dream was? <clears throat> Daniel knew the implications here. And here's Daniel's answer. The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. Get this. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. He did not say there was a God in heaven that used to reveal secrets. He said there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets right now. At the time I need him most because my life is on the line. There is a God in heaven for me right now. Daniel didn't look back in the history books and remember the Jordan River crossing and leave God there in the history book. Just wishing things could be like the good old days. He needed God right then and there and now. And he declared that God is still in heaven, performing miracles for people with impossible circumstances. What you and I need to remember tonight, and we'll close this out. The hand of God is mighty today. Don't you cut his hand short. The hand of the Lord is not slack God is able tonight. The problem lies with me and you and our contact with him. And you say, well, if you just knew my circumstance, that wouldn't help you one little bit if I knew your circumstance. But what does help you is there is a God in heaven tonight who knows everything about you and you have no circumstance in this life that God cannot handle. Tonight, there is a God in heaven that is not just a God Stuck in the past. He is a God here tonight. I believe with all my heart is tapping on the heart of some folks here this evening to tell you, I can do this for you. If you'll just trust me once again. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee what? Great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Things we haven't seen him work out before. But we sure do need it. Now, Nehemiah declared that all the good blessings of God were upon him and the Israelites because in his words, the good hand of my God was upon me. That's why he knew such blessings fell because the good hand of God at that moment was upon him. First Peter 5, 6 tells us to humble ourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I fear we have been humbled under a set of impossible circumstances and have failed to submit to the mighty hand of God.
in our lives. Verse 24, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is tonight mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. If you'll remember, there was to be one stone for each tribe taken out of the river as a stone of remembrance, representing every person in that tribe. So literally everybody in Israel had been represented. And I believe this tonight, God's message from this chapter tonight is for every one of his children that are in this room tonight. We'll have an invitation here in just a moment, but can I just ask you tonight, can we just be real and genuine and, uh, and take the facade down and the ritualism of a church service and just stop and look at yourself and God tonight? Would you answer the question, where's your relationship with God? Is there good contact being made? Can the power of God that he wants to pour into your circumstance, can it work? And, and is there things that you say is impossible? God says, good, I brought you to that place so it can be me and not you. And I would just challenge you tonight, if God speaks to you this evening, would you please let him have your, his way in your heart tonight and, uh, and bring it to him if you would. I'm gonna ask if you'll bow your head with me, our heads bowed and eyes closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.